the state of homelessness is a state of uh, many questions. It feels, you feel the uh, loneliness in a real state. No one is there to communicate with you. No one is there to help you. And if you don't have the get up and go, the wherewithal to reach out, uh, many times you pass by. You don't have the utensils to move forward. You don't have the assistance to better yourself. It's, it's a bad feeling, yes. Sometimes homelessness feels intractable. We feel like homelessness will always be with us, but we don't believe that has to be the case. Our mission is to end homelessness one life at a time, because that's really how our work happens. We are a comprehensive homeless service agency. We do everything from a soup kitchen and street outreach, emergency shelter, temporary housing, to long-term permanent supportive housing. Housing is an expression of love, and at the end of the day, housing is the solution to homelessness. Urban Ministries is helpful in many ways. Yes, you can come and get a meal, you can come and get get a shower, you can come and find a smiling face, but it's more. I had safety. I could shut and open my door anytime. As a matter of fact, I did go right. I walked outside, closed the door, tried the key and came in, did it again just to make sure that I could really do it. But I was like a kid in a candy store. This is mine. This is something that I've got now, and all I gotta do is just hang on to it. And with the road that I'm going, I know I can do that. The foundation has been laid for me to move forward. At the end of the day, I think what will solve this issue is when we fully recognize people's humanity. I think that's the real work to do, and once we're in that place, uh, the solutions won't be hard to find. This building stands as a beacon of light, and it has its arms scratched wide open for individuals to come. I believe that there is a calling from God, if we believe in God, that we should serve whoever we can, whenever we can, wherever we can. Amen. Well, good morning, New City. Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us on one of our campuses or joining us online. I'm Rodney, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's super exciting always to be able to sit in this seat and to be able to proclaim God's goodness to God's people. As many of you know, as a church family, we have the wonderful opportunity to bless many families and organizations throughout this Christmas. And one of the ways we're doing that this year is that we're collecting a New City Serve offering a new city serve offering. We're collecting it all throughout the month online as well as at our Christmas Eve services. An urban ministry center who you just saw in a video will be one of the partners who will benefit from this new city serve offering. As you saw, they're doing very important work throughout our city to be a blessing to the homeless population. I personally have had the opportunity to walk alongside of them and serve with them and, and I can tell you that it's truly 
truly an awesome, awesome ministry. And you can find out more about them and more about our serve offering at christmasatnewcity.us, christmasatnewcity.us. You can also find out about our Advent devotional as well as our Christmas Eve service times for all of our campuses, which is, by the way, Matthews is 1, 3, and 5. Here at South Park, we're 2, 4, and 6. And at Idlewild, which meets at Idlewild Elementary, it will be at 4 p.m. Now, if you're anything like me, Christmas Eve is not just a good opportunity to come together and, and worship, but it's also a good opportunity to come together and invite other people. Amen? Invite other people. And so the language that we're going to use as we do so is come sit with me. Come sit with me. This is the language that we're asking that everybody uses as you speak to your circles of influence, as you speak to your families, your friends, and your coworkers. And so for me and my wife, this will be our first Christmas Eve with New City. So we're super excited and we're looking forward to a great time in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, before we get into God's word, let's gather at his feet and thank him for this opportunity. Amen? Amen. God in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for this day that was not promised to us. Can't do anything, Lord, but apologize to you for where we missed it on yesterday. For that, we say that we're sorry. But God, you woke us up with a fresh breath, new mercies and new grace, God. So for that, we are so grateful. Lord, we ask now that you would drive anything out of this atmosphere that would impede the flow of your spirit. We ask, Lord, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive, and then the discipline to apply your word to our lives. Pray, Lord, that you would do whatever it is you got to do in this space, in this moment, but please get the glory we pray. In Jesus' name, God's children said amen, amen, and amen. Well, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, over the past several weeks, we've been in a series entitled Christmas at New City. Christmas at New City. And in that series, we've been looking at the end of Isaiah chapter 8, and the beginning of Isaiah chapter 9. And what we found is that here Isaiah is writing to a group of people who are trusting in themselves. They're trusting in themselves, a people that continue to hold on to what they believe is best rather than grabbing hold of everything that God has for them, a lot like we do today, right? And what we see also here is that at God's people, they're facing threat from the Assyrians. They're facing threat here from the Assyrians, and it's Isaiah's job as a prophet to proclaim God's truth to God's people. And he says essentially to them, he says this, he says, it is worse than you thought, and it's also better than you could have ever imagined. It's worse than you thought, but it's also better than you could have ever imagined. Isaiah 8:22 says this, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. Thrust into thick... Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody said that to me, I would, I would feel some kind of way. Amen? I would feel some kind of way. But the good news comes in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. And it starts off saying, nevertheless... Nevertheless, and we learned that that word nevertheless ushers in an amazing prophecy of grace, an amazing prophecy of grace. And chapter 9 of Isaiah is headlined by words that should echo in our hearts forever. It's headlined by the words, for unto us a child is born. 
for unto us a child is born. So if you have a copy of the scriptures in front of you, I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to land at verse number 6 today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. It should also be preloaded on the app. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. And what we see here is Isaiah is beginning to describe this gift to God's people. What he would be like, how we can recognize him. What this gift would be like and how we can recognize him. When you got Isaiah 9, 6, say, I got it. Come on, that was only half. We're going to wait. <laughs> when you got it, say, I got it. All right, Isaiah 9, 6. And the word of the Lord reads, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so Isaiah uses four titles to describe this gift. Four titles to describe what this gift, the gift of Jesus, what it will achieve for us. And if you remember, last week, Pastor Chris taught us about the first one. The first one, Wonderful Counselor, Jesus as our Wonderful Counselor. And so we also learn that according to the Bible, there are two primary roles for a counselor. Two primary roles. We learned that a counselor is someone who is number one, wise, and then someone who is number two, compassionate. A counselor is someone who is wise and compassionate. We learned this last week too, and I love this. Uh, Pastor Chris said that wisdom is the capacity to understand and live from God's perspective. Wisdom is the capacity to understand and live from God's perspective. And then we learned, as it relates to compassion, we learned that compassion for brokenness comes from brokenness. Compassion for brokenness comes from brokenness. So Jesus, our wonderful counselor, understands our brokenness. He understands where some of us are right now. He understands our brokenness. Why? Because he took it upon himself. And so Jesus, our wonderful counselor, is also our friend. But today, I want to take just a couple of minutes and talk about him as a mighty God. Is that all right? Somebody say mighty God. So let me open with this story. Uh, if anybody is familiar with the book, Be Rich. In the book, Be Rich, the author tells of the late wealthy newspaper publisher, William Randolph Hearst. And in the book, Hearst spent a fortune collecting art treasures from all around the world, from all around the world. And one day he found a description of some treasures that he felt he absolutely had to own, absolutely had to own. And so he sent his agent abroad searching for these treasures. And after months and months of searching for these treasures, the agent finally found the treasures that he was looking for. Guess where they were? They were already in Mr. Hearst's warehouse. They were already in his warehouse. In other words, Hearst had been searching for treasures he already owned. He had been searching for treasures that he already owned. And so if you're a Christian today, God's mighty power is already ours. But perhaps like Mr. Hearst, maybe some of us are not always aware of what it is that we have access to. Say mighty God. 
So in Isaiah chapter 9, he uses the word mighty to describe Jesus. He uses this word mighty. Now this word mighty in the Hebrew means, it, 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 it is gabor. It means better than or champion. It means better than or champion. Now it is used over some 160 times in the Old Testament. 160 times in the Old Testament. So essentially what Isaiah is saying about Jesus here is that he is better than anything, any person, or any being. In other words, Jesus is our all-time reigning heavyweight, middleweight, welterweight, bantamweight, featherweight champion of the world. I did that for my boxing fans. The heavyweight champion of the world. Now get this, one of the most repeated words in the book of Hebrews is the word better. Now I want to make the connection here. Hebrews was written about 60 years after Jesus was born. Yet Isaiah was written some 750 years before Jesus was born. Yet they have the same theme. Talk about a mighty God. Talk about a mighty God. Now, uh, bear with me for a moment. I want to I take you quickly through the book of Hebrews, and, and I want to show you uh, what it talks about when it talks about Jesus being better than. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about Jesus being better than the angels. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about Jesus being better than Moses. In chapter 3, he references Jesus being a better rest, a better Sabbath. In Hebrews chapter 4, he says that Jesus is a better priest. Stay with me. In chapter 6 of Hebrews, he says that Jesus is a better anchor of God's promises. Chapter 7, he says that he is a better hope and a better covenant. Chapter 8, he says he is a better promise. In 9, he says he is a better sacrifice, a better mediator. Chapter 10, he's a better possession. Chapter 11 says that Jesus is a better architect of a better city. And chapter 12 says that he is a better justice and he is a better kingdom. In other words, Jesus the Messiah is a better gift to us in every single way. A better gift to you and I in every single way. In other words, when the Bible says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, it means that he took his rightful place as the true champion, the conqueror of sin and death. I'll say it this way. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, in his finish, guess what that meant? It meant that it was finished, right? So, so for you and I, that means this. It means that whatever we're struggling with today is already finished. It means that depression is finished. It means that worry is finished. It means that anxiety is finished. I don't know about you, but that's, that's good news to me. Amen? For unto us a child is born, so we are not left unto ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, let's take a few minutes, and I want to I I show you uh, a couple of ways that Jesus expresses his might. A couple of ways that he expresses his might. The first way that Jesus expresses his might is through his creation. It's through his creation. John 1.3 says this. It says, all things were made through him, and without him, 
was not anything made that was made. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So our existence, my existence and your existence, is not only evidence of God's skill, his wisdom, his craftsmanship, but it's also evidence of his might. When you get up and you look in the mirror in the morning, I hope you, I hope you look in the mirror when you get up in the morning. But when you get up and you look in the mirror in the morning, you are staring face to face with the proof that we serve a mighty God. Proof that you and I serve a mighty God. Revelations 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So God expresses his might through you and I through our everyday living. Second thing I want to show you is that Jesus expresses his might through his character. He expresses his might through his character. Deuteronomy 10, 17 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribes. In other words, in an inconsistent, insecure world, in a world that is ever-changing, in a world that is always evolving, in a world where people are fickle, sometimey, right? In a world where people are sometimes they with you, sometimes they're not. In an inconsistent world, God remains consistent. In an inconsistent world, God is consistent. God is consistently faithful. He's consistently loving. God is consistently merciful. He's consistently holy. And get this, he will never cease to reign. God will never cease to reign. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody say mighty God. So God, Jesus expresses himself through his creation, through his character. And the last one we'll look at today is he expresses himself through his coming. John 1 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So now, for me, right, this is how I think about this. Only a mighty God, only a mighty God who having the power to have changed things could endure what he did on our behalf. Only a mighty God could do that. Only a mighty God can, can go through the ridicule, the beating, the crucifixion on our behalf. Only a mighty God can do that when he didn't have to. Listen, it takes a tremendous amount of might and strength to be vulnerable when you, when you, when you can do something else. It takes a tremendous amount of might and strength to be vulnerable when you don't have to. Listen, none of us could have done it, right? None of us could have done it. Listen to me. The first fist that hit my face, the first fist that hit my face, I would have turned everybody into a frog. Everybody would have, it would have been Frogtown USA from that point on. I couldn't have done it. Only a, only a mighty God could do that. Only a mighty God could have done that. And so his coming, his suffering and his dying was not only an expression of his love, but it was an expression of his might. It was an expression of his might. In both his creation and his character, Jesus is expressing his might on our behalf. 
God's creation and his character come together in his person, in the person of Jesus Christ, God incarnate. Somebody say mighty God. So we looked at a couple of ways that Jesus expresses his might. Expresses his might through his creation, through his character, and through his coming. But what should our responses be? How should you and I respond to a mighty God? What should our responses be? I submit to you that the first, the first way we should respond is with humility. The first way that we should respond is with humility because our kingdoms must come to an end before his kingdom can reign. Amen, somebody. Our kingdoms must come to an end before his kingdom can begin. You and I need to learn to surrender and trust God. Matthew 6.33 says, seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God, right? And his righteousness. Listen, there are other kingdoms that seek to be established within you and I. This is why the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because there are other kingdoms that seek to be established in you and I, namely the kingdom of me, right? The kingdom of me, the kingdom, the kingdom of self. Because honestly, some of us, we, if we're honest today, can we be honest on a Sunday morning? Some of us are selfish, right? I mean, some of us, let me catch you when you're eating a piece of cake that's good to you. And I come up and ask you for the last piece. We'll see what you do. Some, some, some of us have some areas in our lives where if we're honest, we're selfish. And then others of us, we're just, we're sharp. We're brilliant, right? We're sharp. I tell people all the time, it's a price to pay when you got it going on, right? It's a price to pay. But what we got to understand is our brilliance must be tempered with humility. Our brilliance must be tempered with humility because if not, arrogance will show up, right? I'm certainly not suggesting that you not be, be brilliant, right? I don't want you to dumb down for anything. But what I'm saying is, is sometimes we get to a point where we've been around and we know, we know a whole lot of things. And sometimes we think we know what's best for us better than God does, right? Some of us, we've been around a long time. We, we, we get into the rhythm of prayer and the rhythm of church and, and the rhythm of life. And we just think we know. We think we know. This is why Jesus prayed when he was in the garden. He said, Father, not not my will, but thine be done. Because he understood that it wasn't about him, right? He understood that it was not about him. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you know it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Lean not unto your own understanding. Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto man. But the end thereof is the ways of destruction. And so it takes, it takes for you and I to, to humble ourselves before God so we can discern what it is that he wants for us. This should be a byproduct, a natural response of God's might. Amen? Second thing I want to show you is as a response, our response should be awe. A-W-E. Awe or reverence for God. Reverence. Isaiah 64.4 says this. Paul quoted this in Corinthians. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Reverence for God. Now, listen to me. I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not just talking about a feeling, how you feel about God, right? I'm not just talking about how a feeling. I'm not even just talking about admiration, 
But what I want us to focus on today is consideration. In other words, how much do you consider how God feels about what you do, think, and say? It's quiet in here, boy. <laughs> how much do we consider? Listen, when, you, when you're in a relationship with someone and you love them, you consider how they feel, right? You consider how they feel. And so what I'm suggesting to us today is that we consider how God feels about what we do, about what we say, and about the thoughts that run through this mind. Talk about next level living, right? When you consider what God, how, what God thinks about what you think, I submit to you that this should be a response. This should be our response to God's might and God's power in our lives. Because this, this level of consideration will force us out of this casual relationship with sin that we have. It'll force us out of this casual relationship. Because some of us, we, we do things and we know that maybe God don't like it, but we just, we just kind of stay there. We live right there. And so as a response to God's might, I'm suggesting that you and I need to do better with considering how God feels about what we do, about what we think, about what we say. And so we looked at a couple of ways that Jesus expresses his might. And then we just talked about a couple of responses that we should have. But what about those times when life, the situations and circumstances of life cause us to lose sight of the presence of a mighty God? What about, what about those times? What about when, when we lose sight of the presence of a mighty God? Because honestly, there are many things that are competing for our attention, right? Many things in this world that are competing for our attention. And sometimes we forget that not only are we not alone, but that there is strength available to us. It makes me think about um, a time, uh, probably about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, I had, I don't know what I, I did. I think I think I slept slept wrong and and I, I slept on my neck. You ever you ever slept wrong and woke up and you had a crick in your neck? Now I don't know what you call it, but my grandmother used to say a crick in your neck. And so when you when you got a crick in your neck, somebody call you, you got to turn around like this. You know you can't you can't turn your neck, so you got to turn around. And so so this is where I was about a week and a half ago, right? And so I have a I have a book bag that I carry around with me all the time. Every day, I carry this book bag with me. And um, so I'm at home, and my book bag is downstairs. I got a crick in my neck, and my wife is downstairs. And I ask her, hey, can you, bring, can you bring the book bag upstairs to me? She says, sure. And so she grabs the bag, and she says, ooh, this bag is heavy. That's probably why you got a crick in your neck, because this bag is, is so heavy. And so I respond, heavy for who? Heavy for who? Like, it's my bag. I carry the bag around every day. It's not, it's not heavy. Now, let me, let me say this. This wasn't the first time that we had this, this conversation, right? <laughs> he Listen, heavy for who is kind of like a running joke in my house. Like, we, whenever she says something, she says heavy, I say heavy for who? So, so we had been here before, and so we laughed about it. And the next day, God, God said to me regarding this issue with the bag, he said, maybe... Some of us are struggling with some of the things we're struggling with, fear, worry, anxiety, stress. Maybe some of us are struggling with this because we are carrying a load that we were never designed to carry. Maybe this is the source of our struggle. We're carrying something, because though it may be heavy for us, it is never heavy for a mighty God. Cannot be heavy for a mighty God. 
And so maybe this is an opportunity for you and I to surrender those things that are causing us stress and worry and anxiety. Surrender these things unto God and let him carry it. This is what he suffered, bled, and died for. He said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I want to begin to close by referencing 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. You may be familiar with this this story. What's going on here in 2 Kings chapter 6 is the king of Syria is at war with Israel. The king of Syria is at war with Israel. Israel and Elisha the prophet keeps warning the king of Israel of where the Syrians are setting up camp. Everywhere they go to set up camp to, to do an ambush, the, the, the Elisha the prophet warns the king of Israel. And so the king of Syria gets upset. He gets frustrated by this. He gets frustrated. He calls all his servants together. Calls all his servants together. And he says, Listen, who is the snitch, bro? Who is the snitch? To which his servants respond, none of us. That's the prophet Isaiah that keeps telling the things that you're speaking in your bedroom. So the king of Syria says, you know what? Find out where he is. I want to end this. Find out where he is. And so they go out and they find where he is and they find that he is in Dothan. They find that he is in a city called Dothan. And so the Bible says that they had horses and chariots and a great army and they surround the city by night. They surround the city by night. And so I want to read to you what happens next. Uh, 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. And it reads, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. So let me stop there. So what happens is Elisha's servant gets up in the morning. He goes outside. He finds that they have been surrounded goes out and he finds they have been surrounded. So he goes back and he tells Elisha, he says this. He says, alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha replies, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So Elisha prays, says, God, open the eyes of the young man. God opens his eyes. He goes out and he sees that, in fact, there are more with them that are against them. But now let 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 me break this down to you, what's going on here. Two people in the same situation. Two people are in the same situation. Elisha. And his servant. Two people in the same situation, yet one is fearful and one isn't. One is aware of the presence of a mighty God and the other one is not. One has made the champion Christ little C and his circumstance big C. So the takeaway for you and I is when we find ourselves in situations where we identify with the servant, We ought to do the same thing that Elisha did and ask God to open up our eyes that he might reveal his strength to us. Because in a chaotic world, it's easy to get lost and forget that we have a very present help in Christ, a very present help in Christ. Because sometimes God's might is not loud and boisterous, right? Sometimes it's 
quiet, still. And so it's our responsibility to be aware of everything that God has made accessible to us. Because when we're coming and going, ripping and running, it's hard to lose sight of everything that God has placed here on earth for our disposal. We get so consumed with our life, our situation, our circumstance, that we forget that we have a loving, faithful, and mighty God that's with us, waiting to help us. Because if we are not careful, our circumstances could cause us to lose sight of this truth. And the truth is that no matter what your life currently looks like, no matter where you are in your faith, no matter what your family dynamic is, no matter where you are in your finances, the truth is, is that we have not been left unto ourselves. That's the truth. We ought not be like Pilate was. If you remember when Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate looked right at Jesus and said, what is truth? Truth was standing right in front of him. And he didn't know what, he didn't, he didn't recognize truth that was right in front of him. And so I came to encourage somebody today and let you know that during those times in your life when maybe you don't know where God is, maybe you don't know where he is in your life, in your situation, in your circumstances, when you don't know where God is, I want you to remember who he is. Remember that he's faithful. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that he's faithful and remember that he is a mighty God. We have everything we need in Christ. For unto us a son is born, so we are not left unto ourselves. To God be the glory. Let me pray with you. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for arresting our attention and reminding us, Lord, that you are not only faithful, not only loving, but you are a mighty God. God, we apologize that though there is evidence of your might all around us, we often allow the situations and circumstances of life to cause us to miss it. So, God, we ask and we pray that as the days and the weeks and the months move forward, that you help us to be more sensitive to who you are, to help us, God, to be more sensitive, more aware of your might and your strength in our circumstances. Help us to remember that you'll never leave us, nor will you forsake us, God. We're grateful that you express yourself, your might, through your creation and through your character and through your coming. Help us to respond to that in ways that are pleasing to you. Help us to respond in humility. Help us to respond by considering you, how you feel about what we do, what we say, and what we think. Thank you for the grace to know you more deeply and love you better. Be with us now, God, I pray, as we live a life that is pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen.